Yeah, I got a freestyle. <clears throat> Check me out. This is gumbo, where the ones go. Gotta get that advice from Dugo. Hey! Hey, you know. Welcome back to another episode of Gumbo. Um, your favorite spot for all the fantasy football tips, tricks, and advice on how to dominate your dynasty leagues and get prepared for your redraft leagues. Damn, I couldn't have said it better myself, Jahaya. Uh Yeah, um, this is your one-stop shop for all that good stuff and a little bit of bullshit in between. Uh, you know, how's your week, Benjahai? I know that I've been kind of a little, I don't know, like, off-put. I had a really wild weekend. I went to a bachelor party, you know, I got a little wasted, you know how it'll be. But, uh, yeah, I had a really fun weekend. What'd you yeah. do? I don't remember. Yeah, that's fair, bro. Hey, that's how it goes, though. Uh, I honestly don't remember, like, that ass. Like, I didn't even do anything crazy. I just don't remember what I did this weekend. That's crazy, dude. I don't... That's fair. I get that, though. I don't know. That could be from a combination of just, like, different stuff. But I think... Maybe um, you're just napping the whole weekend, you know? You just don't remember it. That type. Probably is what happened. Probably. Hey, but we appreciate y'all tapping in. Um, I want to jump into the episode, and me and Dugo were talking about uh, some quarterbacks in uh, fantasy football, uh, you know, in the NFL as well. That we think may be giving a little too much credit. Yeah, especially like around like the Twitter sphere, dude. Like so, some of these things that come out. Uh, sorry to cut you off, but no, we starting off with hate. Dude. I'm just being upfront and honest with the audience. I want them to know we come with peace, but we starting off with hate, dog. So like this video that you had seen this morning that I had seen after you posted about it, dude. Like the Daniel Jones like 15 yard. What is what do you want to call that? Like a post, like just fucking going out. Open field, no no defender, no pads. So let me like, break, let me break it down for you guys at home who might not have seen the video. There was a video that dropped on uh, on the timeline, right? Like if you're on Twitter, I'd say maybe around eleven o'clock this morning. Mm-hmm. And it was a video of Daniel Jones in shorts, middle of a field, throwing routes. It's just him throwing to a receiver in shorts, and he throws him maybe like a fifteen yard post, like you said, or yeah, maybe a slant. But um, the, the, the pass was accurate, and the receiver caught it, and it was smooth. And somebody posted that because Daniel Jones threw a 15-yard slant, and it connected, and, you know, I guess, I don't know, it looked swift, it looked smooth, it looked cool, that all of a sudden he just became, you know, a 20 times better quarterback. Yeah, dude, like, I'm watching the video right now. It's at, <clears throat> if you're on Twitter, it's at It's Clouts. Um, yeah, it's just a video, just, it looks like he's trying to do him, like, one of those RPOs, mm-hmm. you know, just a little check off, oh, I'm gonna pass it, and, yep. yeah, it just says, Daniel Jones looks really good, like, with the shock face, like, dude, like, this is shit that high school quarterbacks are doing, and they're probably making it look so much smoother because the wide receiver doesn't have to break off, and, you know, I don't know, like, the wide receiver doesn't even look, like, that comfortable with that throw either. Like, he really doesn't, if you want to ask me. Like, it's not, like, right at his chest. Like, he's honestly working to yeah, catch Yeah, he had that. to kind of reach up. Yeah. The, the, the catch, the ball was above the receiver's head. Facts. When he caught it. But he just has really long arms. He was, looked to be, like, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah. So, I don't know, man. Like you said, we just come on with hate. Like, I am riding the hate train this year with uh, Daniel Jones, dude. Like, when it comes to fantasy, y'all already know that in my... Uh, well, I was going to say, like, because Daniel Jones, I mean, he's kind of been made made fun of, I guess, for a few years now. 
there's another guy who came out with a video earlier this season that people kind of ripped him on, and that was Tua. Yeah. Uh, Tua had that had that uh, you know Tyreek pass where he had to come back to the ball and all that. Um, so I understand that kind of you you're not fucking with Daniel Jones, but do you fuck with him more than you fuck with Tua Tagovailoa? I mean, I would give him more upside than Tua for sure. Or I would give Tua more upside for sure just with his targets or around him and everything. Like, I think he's set up for success as long as he can perform. Yeah. But the thing is, is I think that you have uh, Teddy Bridgewater right behind him. And honestly, I think he's just as serviceable as an NFL quarterback. If you want to look at the scheme that Mike McDaniels is going to want to run when it's low turnover rate making sure that your receivers get the ball in the plays that they need to. Like, if there's one thing that we know is neither of these guys really have, like, bombs for arms. Like, they have pretty mediocre arm strength, but they know how to get it there. Like, at least, like, on target. So, so what I'm th- what I'm getting at is if uh, Tua can, you know, per- perform, I would definitely give him more upside and possibly, like, towards, like, a QB 15-type production. Otherwise, like I said, I think Teddy, who has been known to produce regardless of where he is, I think he could step in and perform regardless. But I think he's kind of there to help coach up to a little bit and get him ready to get where he needs to be. So, like I was getting at before, like with Daniel Jones, I had him on our <clears throat> on our other league, you know. And, yeah, man, like I dropped him because I picked up another quarterback in our in our rookie draft this year, I picked up uh, Malik Willis. So, you know, like, had to get rid of a quarterback. I don't need four or five. So, I got rid of him. But, yeah, I, I have zero faith in Daniel Jones, honestly. I think I think he's going to have a better fantasy season than Tua is. You think so? Just because of that rushing upside that, you know, is there. He can pop off for a good little 10-yard, 15-yard scamper once or well, twice a game. you're not wrong with that, but I think Tua has the same upside with that. Like, he's definitely an athlete as well. Mm-hmm. I think Dan- I think Daniel Jones is more likely to rush than Tua is. Possibly. I, I don't know. Well, more- well, I guess I can't 100% uh, commit to that. Like, I, I can't say that for certain because, like, there's been times when Daniel Jones has taken absolutely stupid-ass sacks mm-hmm. when he could have ran... And there's times when Tua, I mean, he does the same stuff, but he's also, I believe, in a system now where he's going to be at least trusted a little bit more to do the right decision and at least have a little bit of, I don't know, like, say, hopefully, and, like, what they're going to do, and hopefully he's a little bit more comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. So that's just why I think that he's going to be a little bit more at ease this year and yeah. just a little bit more comfortable in the system rather than... I think when you look at Daniel Jones, I think his life must be hectic as hell right now because he's on the last year of his deal, getting a new head coach with that. And, I mean, when you look at the receiving weapons around him, it looks like a fucking circus. Yeah. So, I don't know, There's man. There's a lot like, going on. Other than, like, having, like, a, a healthy Saquon Barkley, which obviously that's great, but other than that, man, like, it's just it's hard to think that... It, that Daniel Jones is going to be a more uh, tenacious quarterback this year than Tua, especially with the weapons that Tua has. I think the Giants are my sleeper for the NFC this year. I'm trying to find a a website online that will let me bet on the Giants, uh, one in that division, because I think that they drafted two 
potential gold jacket guys uh, with, you know, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal. So they finally got some security on that offensive line, and they went ahead and got themselves a star linebacker. So they're establishing the core. Those are the two first picks made by the new uh, staff coming in over from uh, Buffalo with Brian Dayball. Mm-hmm. And also, I think the Giants are, with them becoming a better team, with them uh, maybe playing within a better system and having that plethora of weapons, man, I think they could easily be a sleeper for the NFC, and I could see them making the playoffs this year. I think they'll... Uh, they'll Jan- Daniel Jones may not be the answer, but they have to at least give him the year to decide whether or not they're going to spend important resources on finding a replacement. Because if you're going to go out and get a new running or a new quarterback... You're either going to break the bank or you're going to have to start trading a shit ton of picks. Well, it's hard for me to think that they're going to be the sleeper with Dallas and Philadelphia both being in that division. Like, I think everyone's going to be steamrolling the commanders. Mm-hmm. But other than that, dude, like being third in the East isn't going to get you anywhere, I don't think. I, the reason I think they're going to be first is because I don't believe in Carson Wentz in Washington. Right. The Cowboys made the worst offense or the way, the worst roster moves because they let go of Amari Cooper. Yep. CeeDee Lamb gets a bunch of targets, but CeeDee Lamb historically has not been super efficient with all those targets. They're going to keep Michael Gallup though long term. Who's yeah. also hurt for the first month. Right, but they also drafted Jalen Tober and picked up James Washington. So we'll have to see what happens. Right. But I think that their offense takes a step back. We saw how Dak Prescott's QBR improved when Amari arrived in Dallas mm-hmm. back in, uh, I think it was 2020, 2019 or 2020. And so we'll see what happens with Dallas. And then I think the Eagles are going to be adjusting to a new offense to an extent. Well, they just, I mean, Nick Sirianni, he's making that offense his own now because it's going to mm-hmm. be his second year. Yeah. And I don't think there's going to be any sort of regression, especially with the assets that they've added with A.J. Brown, the draft that they had. I mean, the defense is going to be much better because they have uh, Jordan Davis, I believe, mm-hmm. is the lineman that they drafted out of Alabama. So that defensive line is going to be stellar as hell, which has always been the Achilles heel of the Eagles, it feels like. I feel like... So, I don't know, man. Like I think, well, other than the running back room, if we want to be real... But other than that, dude, like I think that this Eagles team is ready to take flight, and I think that the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> not to say that. Yeah, I think the Dallas Cowboys are gonna ring them up, and they're what gonna the fuck, they're gonna dude. bring them Yo, home as well. So I think out of those two coming out of the East, I think what those two will make the playoffs. I have no hope for the Giants making a playoff this year, though. So I didn't finish my reasoning, though. I'm sorry. Because with... sorry to kick you off like that. Oh. Well, with Philadelphia, I think that they have an adjustment period. They did not have a hot start last year, and they kind of barely snuck into the playoffs. They got in by like a game, maybe a half a game or something of the sorts. But yeah, nonetheless, they, did they, that they with, made it. They, they made it. With a first-time head so coach. What I think is, I think the Eagles just have an adjustment. I don't know if Jalen Hurts takes those next steps that they want him to take. I think we saw him having a a really good year last year. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how much better than that he is because as underrated as he is, I don't think he's also a guy that... For for fantasy, yeah, because he rushes. Mm-hmm. So we love him in fantasy. But in real NFL QB terms, the Eagles seem to want every excuse to get rid of him. I yeah. mean, they want to, yeah. And, I'm, and, I mean, they have, I think, the resources to potentially get a quarterback next year. Yeah. But nonetheless, dude, like, he's going to be the quarterback this year. He is a dual-threat quarterback. And mm-hmm. if he can produce, 
I don't see why they would utilize a pick on another quarterback. I think if they can just trust him and just if he can trust himself and the team around him, I think he could take this team to the playoffs. I don't know if he'll ever be truly a Super Bowl contending quarterback, but to get to the playoffs, I think that's good enough, at least for this team right now. I think the Eagles can make the playoffs, but they don't have to win the division to do that. Well, no, and I don't think that the Giants are going to be winning the division, though. Like, let's be honest, man. Is it going to be a steep climb up the mountain? You know, for sure. But I think the Giants have... I really trust Brian Dayball, just because I trust what the Bills have done and how they've rebuilt that organization from where they were to where they are. You're not wrong with that. I don't want to cut you off or anything, but what I... What I love about Buffalo is the culture that it took to, like, bring that in. Like, they instilled that. It took three, four years to instill that culture and to bring up Josh Allen to be where he is. And so that's just why I'm not high on the situation right now. Don't get me wrong. The New York Giants could be huge down the road, and we could be talking about them being something different. But right now, as it stands, first year in the system – with the first draft where it looks like they're just taking the building blocks. Like they didn't make like any like huge splash trades in the draft. They didn't make any huge splash, you know, like picks. Like they took very conservative picks with, I mean, probably the two best available at the time with Evan Neal, like you had mentioned in uh, Thibodeau. Yeah. So like those are just really good uh, building blocks. But I don't think those are going to take them over the edge this year to get to the playoffs. Especially with them missing Evan Ingram this year, who was the most probably viable receiving target on that team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah, they have Kadavius Tony, which is going to be huge going forward. But, dude, do you really think that they have everything that they need right now to make a push for the playoffs? I think so. Uh, the reason I say that That's is... That's bold. That's very bold. So, Brian Dayball was with the Bills for quite a quite a while. Um I can't I think he came in with the regime. I'm I'm blanking on the head coach there. But I think he's been there ever since and like their first draft they took Josh Allen. Yeah, so he's been with the Bills since twenty eighteen. Yeah, and that's when uh Shane McDermott came in. Oh. And yeah, that's when they drafted I believe Josh Allen or maybe the year after Mm-hmm. But, like, they really instilled that, and that's what I'm saying, man. Like, it took years for them to get where the Chiefs are at right now, where it goes to they need to uh, adjust overtime rules because of how crazy those games are. Yeah. Like, that's how crazy, like, that's how much of a transition it's been for mm-hmm. the Bills to get where they are. Yeah. And that's just why I don't believe in them. The, or, in, believe New in York the has Giants. a lot of, they have so much work to do, but. Yeah, especially know. right now, man. Like, at least... Like, at least, like, the Jets. Like, if you want to talk about a New York team, like, at least, like, the Jets with uh, Robert Sala. Like, at least, like, they have, like, the building blocks of at least a year under his reign to where Mm -hmm. I think they could possibly start being dangerous. But Mm -hmm. not in year one, man, especially with a rebuilding team like that. Let me ask you, uh, speaking of dangerous, uh, so the Giants have a bunch of weapons, you know, Kadarius Toney. Uh, Saquon, Kenny Galladay, all those guys. Yeah. Uh, the Cardinals are also one of those NFC teams, too, that are, you know, the stacked uh, on offense. So, um, I know we talk about DeAndre Hopkins. Yep. And we talk about Marquise Brown. Yep. And we talk about Kyler Murray and James Conner and Zach Ertz. But one guy who is getting 
at least I feel like significantly less love than he got last year uh, was Rondale Moore receiver on the Cardinals bro you're not wrong with that and I I don't want to take him off pace because I would love to talk about him but another person on that team that's gotten zero hype ever since the draft Trey McBride yeah I guess no one has talked true. about him and I think that he I don't so with Zach Ertz there is he going to be the splash of the season where he's just going to pop off? No. No. But he has probably the best teacher because he's still extremely athletic. He's been in the league. You know, like I think Zach Ertz is going to be a great uh, teacher for Trey McBride. And I think that next year, once they want to get off uh, Zach Ertz's contract, I think Trey McBride, if you have him in your dynasty leagues, I think you guys have a diamond in the rough right now. Yeah. And, like it's just it's just gonna work, but let's go to uh, Rondell Moore. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah, dude, like that guy is crazy. I don't know what to think of him right now, though, just because, like you said, they just got uh, Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown. He does the same exact shit, dude. Like that team is absolutely loaded right now. Yeah, they do, dude. They do. When I look at them, their their physique. Everything and what they do is exactly the same when it looks like, like not like with body wise, but also on the field, like they're burners, or they go and do like those jet sweeps, uh-huh. like those are like their their two trick pony, which is amazing, or like they'll do like a little you know like screen, like well those are the two or three things that they'll do, man. I think Rondell is a little bit more versatile because while Marquise Brown. For a good part of his on-field usage, he is playing outside. Right. Uh, he's, you know, the X or the X or the Z. Yeah. And, you know, he's out there playing wide, running down the field. He serves as a distraction as often as he serves as a downfield threat. Sure, yeah. And Rondell Moore is one of those guys to where, yeah, he can line up outside, but he can also line up inside and do it even better. Like and in the like, slot and stuff like that? He's 5'7", he's 180, so he's he's, like, pretty thick. Yeah. Um, Marquise Brown is 5'9", 170. He looks a little wiry. Mm-hmm. And uh, the difference, I think, is that Rondell Moore is the perfect mismatch for the slot. Like, if you're asking me if Rondell Moore can play the slot better or if Marquise Brown can play the outside better, I'm going with Rondell Moore and where he's more likely to be and what he does better, which is playing in the slot and getting those mismatches well, what against, I, against those, you know, outside linebackers and whatnot. Yeah, dude. Well, that's only, like, if they have, like, a mismatch like that. Like, if you can create a true mismatch, but, like, if you ha- can have, like, a floating safety or, like, a third cornerback out there, like, just to jam Rondell Moore off the line, like, he just doesn't seem like he holds up against that. And so... I mean, obviously, it was just his first year last year, and they did invest some decent capital into him, so they're going to give him a decent amount of chances, but I just think with them going out and drafting someone like Hollywood Brown, who, yeah, like it's Kyler Murray's best friend, and you want to make sure that your quarterback's happy, but I think Rondale Moore was there to serve that purpose, and mm-hmm. now that they had to go out and you know gamble on Marquise Brown... I just think that they're going to have to give him every opportunity now to succeed rather than, you know, giving this guy, you know, every chance in the world. Like, I'm assuming right now Rondale Moore is probably on the trade block. Like, mm. like I would assume so, dog. So, Rondale Moore is likely to fill in the position that Christian Kirk played last year where he was, I don't want to call him a gadget guy, but he was used for all kinds of different stuff. Sure. And I think I read some stat to where Christian Kirk put up the third most yards from the slot. Uh, in the entire NFL, which essentially means he was really 
really good at that position. Mm-hmm. And so I think with uh, Diahat being out for the first six weeks, you got A.J. Green, you got Marquise Brown, Rondell Mar- Moore is going to operate primarily from that position. Mm-hmm. And him being able to almost be like a quick dump off that can break off for a large run with Kyler Murray next year, mm-hmm. especially as often as Kyler Murray scrambles and, you know, um, contributes to those mismatches becoming even bigger mismatches. I think Rondell Moore just has a lot of, I don't know if you'd call it broken playability, um, street ball ability, but right. he'll get the ball in his hands and some unfavorable defensive predicaments, and he's going to go ahead and, um, you know, do something with it. Mm-hmm. He's, a, he's, a, he's a breakaway guy. And when we get uh, D-Hop back, then that'll hurt Rondell Moore. Literally, Rondell Moore will be hurt more uh, in terms of usage. Because when you think about guys, you're going to have Marquise Brown on the outside, you're going to have D-Hop on the outside, and then at some point in time, you're probably going to want to play some A.J. Green, right? Right. So now A.J. Green is splitting, splitting time with Rondell, which I say all that to say, if you have Rondell Moore, you're sitting on him, he pops off sometime in the first three weeks, you probably got peak value, bro. Like, if you hold him until week four and he has a couple good games, that's peak Rondell Moore value. And obviously, you can wait out the AJ Green being in Arizona for potentially another year. Mm-hmm. But at that point, with Hollywood and D Hop probably getting the majority of the snaps at receiver and them just shifting all their other guys in, um, I don't think Rondell sees a higher peak than what he sees in the first half of the season. So if you have Rondell, my advice to you, solely my advice, my name is Ja. Appreciate you for listening. Um, go ahead and shop out Rondell Moore if he has a couple good games to start off the year because I think that his opportunity doesn't get any better than that. What do you think? Well, man, like, if he starts having good games and if he starts flowing within that system like you're saying, then I don't know why you would want to shop him. I mean, at some point, A.J. Green is going to go away. If you're in a dynasty league, like, you're not going to split those reps and he's in the second year of his four-year deal, I'm assuming if he was a second-round pick like I think. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know if you have to ship him off all that quickly if you think he has value. My biggest thing is I don't know if he's going to have that value in the first place for him to need to get shipped off in the second, third, fourth week. Like, I just don't know if it's going to happen. Like, I think your point is very valid with uh, Christian Kirk having, like, the third amount of yards in the slot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a huge stat if that's true. Like, I... I appreciate that because, yeah, then you have to look at who the third wide receiver is going to be because obviously they're going to be getting some of that. And I don't know about you, but it didn't seem like the Cardinals really looked at their line and made it any better this year. Yeah. So I think Kyler Murray is still going to be under fire when it comes to the offensive line. And he's going to have to make those quick decisions. So if they think that Hollywood Brown is going to be that receiver to do that, then perfect. But, dude, like, I just, I don't know what the hell they're doing right now, dude. I don't know. We got to go to a Cardinals-Packers game in Arizona. Dude, that'd be sick. That'd be amazing. Yeah, man. I love Zona. It's a great place. I don't want to go right now because it's the middle of summer, and it's like 120 degrees down in Zona every day. Shout out to all of our uh, resident Arizona listeners. But, um, you know, that's, if you play in a league with maybe, like, maybe you play in a home league with all your buddies, Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like a destination draft is something that every fantasy football player should experience maybe at least once. At least once, dude, for sure. It sounds extreme, and it sounds like a large investment. It sounds kind of crazy, but just having an excuse to go kick it with the boys for a weekend, kick it with the friends for a weekend, go draft your teams, 
you know what I'm saying, go make a special, go play, you know, round of golf or go do something like affect your draft status. And uh, just, you know, the point of fantasy football is just to kind of bond mm-hmm. and hang out with the people you love and the people make you respect. Make a little money. Make a little money on the side, too. Uh, but, you know, I feel like if you have a good destination draft and no matter what happens to your team, you leave that season kind of happy because at least you got that experience in, you know? Yeah, man, exactly. And I think a great time uh, like that, like if you do have like a destination draft and everything, I think especially like, if you have like a league where you don't have much of like traditions or anything, you can start building those traditions there. Yeah. You can start establishing what like the penalty is going to be for last place in the league. And like everyone That's has important. to... You know, everyone can, like, be there to decide on that stuff. So, it's, like, it's mm-hmm. a great bonding experience for everyone, which, I mean, that's fantasy football. But a lot of y'all are here for the money. I'm here for it as well. I mean, we all love money, right? Well, love Let's, money and championships. That's what I'm here gotta about. Got to keep it a buck. Got to keep it a bean. And another guy that I think is going to help you guys get to championships is uh, Kyle Phillips. So, he's a receiver out in Tennessee. But uh, Draylon Burks, yeah, he is having a camp, and Kyle Phillips is also having one. He's somebody we actually kind of talked about before the draft, before we knew where he would land in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And we talked about liking him a, a little bit. You can go back to, a, to to some earlier episodes. But, I mean, do you think Kyle Phillips has that potential to kind of be a breakout receiver in terms of uh, this 2022 draft class? Yeah, I think down the line, I think he definitely could be that. Is he going to be that in his first couple of years? Maybe not, just because I don't know if he's necessarily up to NFL speed. Mm-hmm. But one thing that everyone loved about him at college when he was coming out of US, UCLA was the third and Phillips that they kind of coined over there, you know? Yeah. Like, people really liked him. Um, and for that, like, I think down the line, he could definitely be almost, I don't know, like Julian Eilman or, you know, uh, Hunter Renfro. You know, like, people like that who typically play, like, the slot and are just, I don't know, they can just find the openings. I mean, you can put a lot of people within that category, like Devontae Adams, who it, it didn't matter when Aaron Rodgers was back in third and whatever. Like, he was looking for Adams. Everyone knew it. But he just had that special ability to find that opening, you know? You know, and he's a big possession guy. He really is. Like, he's not extremely fast. I'm not sure exactly what his 40 was at the combine, but... It was a four five nine. So like it's fast enough to be an NFL receiver and four five eight. Sorry. Yeah, dude. Like that's not bad at all. He has the ability to be a decent receiver in the NFL, especially with his hands and like you said, his possession ability. Four but, uh, four five eight is kind of bad for a receiver. Bro, it's not bad at all. Honestly, I would say some of the better possession receivers of all time. Obviously, they aren't very fast, but I mean, they're around like that four five ish. Maybe he's an anomaly, and maybe he's able to do it. I mean, four or five isn't great, but dude, like he he has all the abilities that you want from a true possession receiver when it comes to hands, when it comes to abilities. Like he can take a hit, man. Like when he's catching the ball, like he has sticky hands. Yep. Like that's what you want when it's third and crunch time, second and crunch time. Yo, like Dave. when when you need someone to get a good like catch and get out of bounds. Like he's smart. So, I don't know, man. Like, I really like Kyle Phillips. So, I think down the line, I think that he definitely could be a huge impact guy for whatever team he is on, whether it's the Titans or anywhere else. Yeah, I like him a lot. I think that he's going to be a sleeper. He's a sleeper pick in rookie drafts this year, or was. And he's going to be 
someone you could get in like the 13th, 14th, 15th, maybe last round of the draft. That could provide value for kind of where you get him. So he's someone that I like a lot. I know we talked about him a ton. And Kyle Phillips is somebody that you guys should, uh, you know, at least put on your watch on your watch list. Yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be needed in redraft leagues as of right now. Just because, I mean, he's like a fourth or fifth round rookie. Not all the time do those guys pop off, especially receivers. Uh-huh. So, I mean, like you said, have him on your watch list. But don't expect him to pop off. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe down the line, like towards like, uh, you know... Maybe championship weekend, something like that. You might need him to slide into like a wide receiver three for you or something. But, mm-hmm. I mean, don't put too much pressure on the guy in his first year. Yo, speaking of wide receiver threes, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Terry McLaurin signed a fat contract, three years, $71 million. Uh, he's going to be one of the top five highest paid wide receivers in the NFL next year. Mm-hmm. And my man got paid, and he's only there for the next three years with uh, the Washington Commanders. Yeah, man. Um. Obviously, that's great that he got paid. He's going to hit camp. He's going to start practicing. Or he's going to go into training camp with Carson Wentz. Uh, are you excited for Terry McLaurin? And where do you have him landing in terms of, uh, you know, fantasy receiver ranking? Man, I really like Terry McLaurin as a receiver and as a person. My biggest thing is that I don't trust his quarterback at all. And so with that, like, I put him almost, like, my high-end wide receiver to, like, okay. Or, you know, like, I don't know, possibly borderline wide receiver one. He's a nice two. But, yeah, like, I would probably, right now, like, I'm looking at, like, around, I don't know, like, I think 20 is probably his, like, floor. Like, he's going to get his targets. Like, he's the best wide receiver in that room regardless of what whether you want to look at it as Jahan Dotson coming in as... Uh, first round wide receiver Terry McLaurin is the best wide receiver in that room and will be until he's gone. Like he he's great, man. He'll do yeah. absolutely everything for that team. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I like Terry uh, as a wide receiver too. I think a lot of people put way too much hype into kind of I guess how old he was when he started popping off a couple years back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the thing within the dynasty community that I try not to fall victim to too often, and that's kind of just like. Putting too much emphasis on age. Right. For your dynasty team, you just want positions filled with a certain amount of production. Obviously, the age is nice if you never plan on trading or making moves or getting rid of that said player. Mm-hmm. But, you know, at the end of the day, man, just give me value. I don't care if they're 23 or 25. Right. They could even be damn near 30. Like, I have Keenan Allen right now, and I don't really see any you, slip of production. You could take Adam Thielen, for example. He's... 30-something, 31, 32. Mm-hmm. But he's still a perennial wide receiver, too. Right. Why am I just taking a risk on some random wide receiver three who has maybe played a season in the NFL? I don't know if they're going to even get to wide receiver 12 or wide receiver 13. Right. So, like, why am I getting up this high-performing asset just because he's getting a little older? Obviously, there's a little bit of decline. But at the end of the day, man, if you want to win a championship, you just need to have production. Facts. Like, Production over age any day for me. And uh, Terry McLaurin is one of those guys to where he's going to be productive for the commanders, and by the time he gets out of that contract, he might be up there in age a little bit. Well, dude, he's not even going to be 30 yet. He's going to be 29 by the time he needs to resign. That's, in fantasy terms, we look at 29-year-olds like they're damn near retired. Dude, nah, dude. Devontae Adams, he's 29 right now, and that's when Terry McLaurin is going to be resigning his contract. And everyone's looking at him like he's a god. Yes, Devontae Adams is also an anomaly, 
But regardless, he's great, and everyone else is thinking Terry McLaurin is going to be great. Mm-hmm. The guy's going to get paid again regardless of where he goes, which means he's going to keep seeing those receptions, or at least a decent amount of those receptions, which I think keeps him a, at least a viable fancy option going forward into his 30s. Mm-hmm. I mean, Keenan Allen, like I just said, he's like 30 as well. And I like I said, there's no real slope and decline with his performance. And he still has Mike Williams there, who's a really good wide receiver. So I don't know, man. Like I, I don't buy the hype that you're retired when you're 29. Like, especially like when you are a perennial wide receiver like that, like when you're different, you're different. So Terry McLaurin, he signed technically, I guess a three year extension. Yeah. So that's an extension on top of the year that he's going to have this year. Right. So, he's contracted with the Washington Commanders through 2026. Yeah, and he'll that's the next four years, which he'll be 29. He'll be 30. He turns 30 during the last year of that contract, where he'll probably be fighting for his next contract. Which, I mean, nowadays, bro, like with receivers, 30 ain't the, 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 the cliff's edge the way maybe 26 is for a running back. Right. You know? But at the same time, I mean, if Terry McLaurin is still performing, then give me Terry McLaurin over some hot shot, overranked, Gabe Davis, LaVisca Chenault type beat motherfucker mm-hmm. that y'all hype up because they were a third round selection to a team that has a ton of opportunity, but right. they're not that good at playing receiver. Yo, speaking of third round reception or third round receivers, That's I, me getting, I told y'all we was gonna hate off this episode, so I'm just I'm just going crazy, you know. Bro, don't talking know. about third round receivers that are I don't know, kind of on the come up, maybe not. I know this is a Packer show, so we got to talk about some Packer shit. Oh, okay. What's the Packer shit? What do you think about Amari Rodgers? Do you think he's gonna pop off this year? I think Amari Rodgers is a gem, and he's gonna be a key player on this team next year not this year but next year interesting why do you so do you think this year is kind of going to be his like coming out show like he's going to start getting some receptions because last year he hardly see, seen any so same before sammy watkins got there i thought that yeah now that sammy watkins is there i mean we know how often he's hurt right so opportunity more than likely will come for amari rogers mm-hmm. but i think amari was drafted with decent draft capital i think that he's had his year learning the system getting a custom getting in shape, yeah. uh, learning the NFL. And historically, we see with Packer receivers that they never pop off their first year. No. Tay didn't. Jordy Nelson didn't. James Jones didn't. None of these guys who we now look at as legends mm-hmm. uh, popped off the first year in Green Bay. And that's during a time in which they had Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre. Yeah, dude. I mean, Tay, I, I don't want to shit on him or anything, but he hardly, Bro. like, he wasn't extremely productive until, like, his second contract. He was considered a bust his second yeah. year in the NFL. Yeah. Same way Amari is. People hate it. Bro, I had Facebook statuses from 2012, 2013, 2014. I think it was 2014. That I was like, Get, where the fuck is Devontae Adams? Yeah, Deva- the drop day Adams. Bro, he had so many drops his first year. The drop day Adams. And so you could even look at a guy like Donald Driver who's going to be a yeah. gold jacket one day. He had a terrible first year. So never expect Packer receivers to have a great first year. Yeah. I think we go through the same shit with Christian Watson this year. Like, people are going to be off his boat after year one. I think he has potential, but he's not going to do shit your, the first year. And if you're expecting that, that's kind of on you, man. Like That's fair. I do expect something out of Christian Watson, though, just because of how depleted our wide receiver room is. 
Like, when you look at when, like, Devontae Adams came in, we had Jordy Nelson, James Jones, Donald Driver was on the tail end of his receipt or of his career. Like, we actually had some motherfuckers still. You had uh, Jermichael Finley. Like, we had a room. Like, yeah. we had motherfuckers who could catch the ball. And then. We did. We had a lot of guys. Our receiving core always had three steady. Yeah. Three steady dudes. Who Until could. lately, we've only had Devontae and. If no. Al Mazard wants to be considered a number two, then... So, and that brings me to what they got going on this year, because they brought back Alan Lazard, they got Randall Cobb, yep. they got, obviously, Christian Watson and Sammy Watkins. So, Amari Rogers is one of those guys who's still going to play special teams. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see a ton of snaps from the slot to really start the year. But as the receiving core room gets hurt, because when you got Sammy Watkins on the team, and you got Randall Cobb on the team, and, you know what I'm saying, like, you got... All these guys who, uh, I don't want to say have a questionable history of staying healthy, but, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's reasonable to assume that there's going to be some games. Right. Right. I, I bought Amari Rodgers this offseason really cheap, mm-hmm. and I think that he has potential to be a serviceable three. I think that a wide receiver three is probably his ceiling, but if he pops off as a serviceable three, a nice flex some weeks... I mean, that's a lot better than what you got last year in which my man didn't really do anything. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think once he comes into his own, I think he could definitely be a serviceable, like, a, just a lock flex. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what he could really be for your team, which is... It's is, something. It, it's better than nothing. Bro, those are always needed. Like, you when do. you can have a lock flex and you don't have to go into a week thinking, shoot, is my guy going to see five receptions? Well, when you have Aaron Rodgers and a flex wide receiver, you know they're going to see five receptions out there. Yeah. Like, like he's, it's guaranteed. He's one of those guys to where if you play half PPR, he's probably going to get you four catches, 50 yards, and, you know, you can expect maybe about seven points uh, a week from him. Yeah. Ma- you know, and maybe he'll pop off for a tutty. When he gets the tutty, yeah. that's when it pays off. Because exactly. then you get that extra six. Now you go from 7 to 13, yeah, and now your team just got that much better, you know? Right, right. So, he's one of those guys, and, uh, you know, he's a good buy right now. You can get him for cheap, Mm -hmm. and the return on investment is definitely definitely possible. And I like Amari Rodgers. How about you? Bro, I like Amari. Definitely with uh, down down the line, I think he's going to be becoming more and more of an asset. I think this is probably Randall Cobb's last year with the Packers. So... Okay. I, I would assume that that slot position is going to be wide open for the taking, mm-hmm. especially with Sammy Watkins just on a one-year deal as well. Yeah. So I think, like you said, maybe this isn't his year to pop off, mm-hmm. but next year if you have Amari Rodgers in any sort of dynasty league or anything like that, I think you're going to be seeing some well-deserved return on your assets. So, yo, I got actually one last question. What's up? Um, my last question for you today is about uh, the running back room in Seattle because we've gotten a couple reports now. So, Chris Carson has not announced a return to the field. Mm-hmm. We know he had that nasty neck injury, so there's a good chance that my man might be missing some time. If right. Not, just retire, just call it good. It's a possibility. And so now you got Rashad Penny. You got Kenny Walker. Mm-hmm. And you got an RB1 position that needs filling. Facts. And I've heard Rashad Penny has been impressing. I mean, he ended the season great last year. Right. He has similar draft capital to what Ken Walker got, if not better. And, you know, he's kind of starting to step into his own towards the end of his rookie contract. 
Yeah, man, I, uh, like I was saying at the end of last year, man, I really like Rashad Penny, and I wish I could take all the stock that I can. Mm-hmm. Like, I I love him. Like, I think it's either going to be him or Kenny Walker next year. You know, obviously starting, I mean, that's writing on the wall right now. Mm-hmm. And either one of them, I think, is going to be great. Like, I think you could honestly be looking at running back by committee, like one being like an RB2, one being an RB3. Like, as as far as fantasy-wise, like, I don't know if one of them is going to be a peripheral uh, RB1 where they're top 10 at the end of the year, but I could see one of them being a top 15, and then I could see one of them being, like, a top, like, 25. You know, like, I could definitely see that because I think both of them are, I think both of them are extremely serviceable. I mean, they kind of do the same thing, but Kenny Walker, I would say... Is like more of like that pro style, and he looks more like a. And Rashad Penny, like once he gets out in the open field, you don't touch him; like he's gone. No, like that's that's what's special about him. So Mm -hmm. if you can utilize both of those, I think you have a well-oiled machine. My only thing is though, how much are you going to be utilizing him when you have Drew Locke or whoever the fuck else you want to throw back at quarterback? Like sometimes that shit just doesn't work, you know. A lot. Is the answer to that question. Yeah, man. You're going to be having to throw the ball a lot more. You know, you're going to be pressing. Oh, no. I'm sorry. I didn't mean a lot. And Drew Locke passes more. I think they run the fuck out of the ball. Well, dude, it's you can do that when you have a lead. But I don't know mm-hmm. how often they're going to have one of those. Yeah, that's questionable. And Where so that's when, he, that's when he start passing the ball more. Because, I mean, if you look down the line, like that stops the clock. You're able to utilize the clock more. Like, you don't want to run the ball if you're down. Like, that's the most stupid thing in the world. So, my thing with our backfield is uh, I don't love Rashad Penny the way everybody else does. And Kenneth Walker is who I would prefer to have maybe long term. Mm -hmm. But the reason I kind of faded Kenneth Walker in drafts this year is because I see him getting Javante williams I'm making that a verb. Javante williams Interesting. Um, Why is that? I think Rashad Penny is a good running back, and I think that good running backs are the arch nemesis to uh, young upside running backs. The reason I say that is because look at Melvin Gordon in Denver last year. Uh, you know, they ran the ball a decent amount. Melvin Gordon wasn't great, but mm-hmm. he was good. He was reliable. And because they could kind of split uh, the work between the two, uh, we kind of saw them for the most part of the year, or for the majority of the year, uh, play 1A and kind of 1B to each other. You know what I mean? Like, it was a 50-50 split. Right. Assuming Rashad Hel- Penny uh, maintains health, uh, he gets to split, you know, share with Kenneth Walker. Mm-hmm. They can both perform well, but if they're both splitting the reps 60-40 or 50-50 even, I don't love that opportunity rate. No, you're not wrong, man. And obviously it hurts their uh, their fantasy outlook. But I think they're still going to be serviceable, be- serviceable backs. Mm-hmm. Like, I think both these guys are good. Like, they both have their own little twitches to them and what they do good for that team. Mm-hmm. So that's why I like it. But you're not wrong if you have, like, any sort of, I don't know, like, if you have any sort of jitters towards it where you don't like it, like, I understand completely. I don't love having uh, any sort of backfield when you have two backs that are splitting. Like, Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon sometimes gets me, you know, not necessarily nightmares, but it makes me think who's going to be popping off that week. That's fair. So, I mean, as a fantasy owner, it's 
I think they're going to be serviceable regardless, though. Just I think these two for sure with Rashad Penny and uh, Kenneth Walker. I, I, I really do think if you have either of these two in Dynasty or if you go get these guys in the redraft, I think they're going to be serviceable, serviceable backs for either your RB2 or Flex. Yeah, I think they both could be serviceable flexes. And I don't disagree with you on that. So I'm saying predicting next year's running back rankings, I could see a 21 and 18 finish. I see whoever ends up leading that work share uh, being around that RB 16 to RB 20 uh, for fantasy football. And I see the second guy being somewhere, you know, uh, high end 20s, maybe RB 22, 23, 24, something like that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I think about that. Um, I think we covered a lot of our a lot of our bases today. Yeah, man, let's kick it. So, uh, my name is John. I'm Dugo. We appreciate y'all uh, for tapping in. Uh, we'll see y'all next week.